Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show, and I am Paul Winkler. Along with here, in here with me, Mr. Ira Work. Man, ready? It's a wet and dreary day. Good place to be sitting right here. Um, so I got a question, and you know, if you got a question, you can shoot that question to paulwinkler.com forward slash question or go to the website paulwinkler.com. Somewhere on there, there's an area where you can put, you know, you can stick a question in there. But I, I got this really cool question. Stan actually sent this question, and I really, really liked it. So I thought, you know, I'll start off the show with that. Paul, really enjoy your show. Listen to everyone. Never worry about what tomorrow br- my br- may bring. That's it. My philosophy is the more you educate people, the less they worry. We fear that which we don't understand, as I always say. My question, heard it said that 70% of people will eventually need long-term care. I wonder if the data may be not accurate for successful investors. I'm thinking that wealthy people will probably be in better health condition, not alcoholic, not a smoker, not on drugs. Uh, wealthy people would have better access. That, I guess that's some people, I suppose. Um, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're excluding Hollywood. Uh, anyway, no, sorry, that wasn't nice. Uh, wealthy people would have better access to health care. Do you know what percentage of wealthy people in in long-term care there is maybe you could see how many of your clients have had long-term care it's not that big of a percentage i don't don't know the number on that uh particularly but he says personally i love this personally i will not get long-term care he's talking about the insurance but i will use my investments to be the motivation for my children to keep me at home Hey guys, you know, this is really funny. Hey, uh, kids, guess what? Uh, Dad needs some long-term care and it's, oh, like $8,000 a month or, you know, $6,000 a month. And by the way, I'm going to be paying with it with your money because eventually he's going to be your, right. with your inheritance. You, you, yeah, your inheritance. Is gonna, uh, he says that's what my mother-in-law did and it was very effective, he says. <laughs> so um, to answer that, we actually have a crack uh, you know, these these guys in my office, uh, Scott, in particular, Collins, actually did some research on this for me. I said, hey, buddy, you know, go do some research on this. So uh, my crack research staff, uh, this being Scott in this particular case, went and did some work on this. And what he found was fascinating. Because typically my, my normal answer, as Stan would know, having listened many times, is I'm really torn on long-term care insurance because the problem has been the premiums increasing. It's guaranteed renewable, which means they have to renew you, but they can inc- increase the premium. And we've been seeing significant increases in premium on those policies over the years. And such that it's, it's become unaffordable for some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we've done is sometimes when I say, hey, if you're going to have it, shorten the benefit period, maybe that might be something that you do instead of trying to, you don't even find lifetime policies anymore, but, you know, it's shorten the benefit period, maybe a couple of years, three years, something like that. Uh, lengthen the elimination period, how long before benefits are payable. And, you know, so, and then the other thing that I've talked about is the client, this concierge doc, and he and I got into a conversation about this runs a lot of nursing homes. And he made a point that if you take care of yourself, he just talked about 
in just in decent eating, decent taking care of your body, you know, exercising, walking, whatever, he says you typically square the curve and you don't last that long in a nursing home, quite frankly. Uh, and you have a better quality of life until you get to that point of death. And, that, and that's his point. And well, this one goes a little bit even deeper, though. This is really interesting. The, the study was from ASPE Research. And they said that older adults with health problems tend to have less wealth than healthier older adults. They said the wealth tends to fall when people develop health problems, as you'd expect, because you're having to spend your money on health care, right? And he says one study, for example, found that over a nine-year median household wealth grew by 20% for married people ages 70 or older who did not receive nursing home care, as you'd expect. Their wealth grew because they didn't spend everything that was coming in. You know, as far as their investments, they weren't spending it down because people tend to be a little hesitant to spend money that they've spent a lifetime accumulating. Uh, but if they were 70, uh, if they were 70 and older and they did, uh, it fell 21% for their counterparts yeah, if they went into a nursing home. For single people who received nursing home care, median household wealth fell 74%. And, uh, you know, so if people didn't have a lot of assets and you think about why would that be? Well, a lot of people just don't have a lot of assets, you know, so literally many of them might be only living on Social Security. But just to go a little bit deeper, because this is this really gets interesting. He says uh, inadequate reimbursement rates may make residential care communities reluctant to admit Medicaid beneficiaries. Now, why that's important is for those people out there that are saying, I want to qualify I want to spend down my assets, set up a trust to spend down my money so I can qualify for Medicaid, which is basically welfare. You could be looking at a problem because when you do that, you set up your assets in such a way that you can't use them for your own care in retirement. You end up in the government system for Medicaid for poor people. And they're basically saying here that you know, a lot of times they're really loath to admit these people. Because the reimbursement rates are so low. And that's you know, when we talk about big government health care, right? Mm -hmm. right. Yep. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's the problem with it is that when you don't have high reimbursement rates and you have a private contractor providing that health care, you got a problem on your hands. So uh, it said, uh, it says, you know, if we look at LTSS, which is long-term services and support. So that's LTSS, long-term services and support. So you think about the money coming in to pay for long-term care. He says uh, it was projected that 69% of, of adults turning 65 in 2005 would need. Uh, so but that's where the 70% came from that he was talking about in his question. Would need LTSS, long-term services, before they died. And you look at that number and go, wow, that's pretty high. So what is it that qualifies somebody for needing that help? And you'll typically hear activities of daily living mm -hmm. is what's talked about. So bathing, dressing, getting up and down. Uh, you know, you might have eating. preparing meals. Eating. Eating. Toileting. Yeah, exactly. You know, toileting, uh, transference, you know, those types of terms and that you dressing. hear. Yes, exactly. Taking medication might be something that they may have a problem with and they need help with. Uh, so... When they when they started digging down in the numbers, they said that their results and their work, their study, they found that 70% of adults who survive to age 65 develop severe LTSS needs before they die, and 48% receive some paid care over their lifetime. So about half people receive some paid care. Now, it says many older people with severe long-term needs 
long-term services and supports, needs rely exclusively on family. And that's what I find a lot of times, you know, where people, family help out. You know, let's say that if somebody is, is married, uh, typically they wait longer to go into a facility if they have a spouse that's helping take care of things at home. Now, it says only 24%, and it says, and here's the thing, here's the key, is that most, most of the paid care episodes are relatively short. And this is something I've talked about before. Only 24% of older adults receive more than two years of paid LTSS care. And I'm going to get to your question in just a second because it's, are, are wealthy people less likely to need the care was his question. So we'll get into that. Only 15% spend more than two years in a nursing home. Only 15%. So you look at that and go, wow, you know, it's only two years. It's not as much time that people spend in nursing homes as you might think. Now, there are some people, and I'll get into that, that spend longer periods of time. Now, it says the lifetime risk of receiving paid care is not evenly distributed across the, across the population. And this is Stan's question. It's not evenly distributed. I said severe uh, LTSS needs and the receipt of paid LTSS increases, long-term care increases with age and are relatively common. Women, people of color, older adults with limited education. So right there, you've had the first hint that there are some people that are more affected than others. And it says we, we estimate that 28% of older adults who do not graduate from high school had severe LTSS needs in 2014 compared to only 9% of those with a bachelor's degree. So number one, they say a little bit of education, you have a difference right there. We estimate that 75% of 65-year-old women develop severe LTSS needs before they die compared to 64% of the male counterparts. So, you know, what happens when, when people live longer, you find that actually because you're living longer, there may be a higher need for care but again it's much shorter because you're living longer now it says that it's relatively short it says only about 15 percent of older adults receive more than two years of nursing home care so you look at it and it's a fairly short period of time so what happens is you know they only had like three percent of people that needed long-term care services for more than six years so very very small uh, paid LTSS lasts about 1.2 years overall, and they had this subset. Uh, that was about it. And then 1.6 years among people. You know, so it's fairly, fairly short. But here's the, where the rubber meets the road and where it gets really interesting. The duration of the long-term care needs differs significantly among groups with people of color, especially non-Hispanic blacks, and people with limited financial resources before developing disabilities experiencing, experiencing much longer spells uh, than other people. For example, 43% of those without any financial wealth, 43% of them, have severe needs, long-term care needs for more than two years. It's pretty high uh, compared to 28% with those with 100,000. So they didn't really have a really high bar. 100,000 is what they were talking about in this study. 15%. So, you know, just to, just to break down the numbers, four in 10 people with no money, 40%, about just around 40% with no money have severe long-term care service and supports. Three in 10 with over 100,000 and only 15%, I... I, they, they go longer with $100,000 go longer than six years. So it's very small. The broke person, that's the broke person number right there. You know, that they only 15 in 100. 
If they have over 100,000, then it's only three in 100 people that have a long-term care episode that goes past six years. Now, the, what they also found out, which was interesting, is that when you're looking at people with, you know, with these needs, they said that people with little income or wealth before developing long-term care needs are much more likely to receive some paid long-term care services by 85. And so because typically what happens is they decline slowly and health declines slowly because they're maybe smoking, maybe, you know, weight problems, maybe whatever, health, health issues. You know, so what happens is that, uh, you know, th those people are in more need. People with less income and wealth before they become disabled are more likely to spend more than two years in a nursing home than people with more income and wealth. So Stan, yeah, your, your, your thought process is, is right. You typically, the, the higher income, more educated people do not need long-term care as often or for as long, you know, for whatever reason. So 23% of adults with no more than 5,000 in non-housing wealth receive at least 90 days of Medicaid financed nursing home care compared to only 3% of people with more than 200,000. That's just 3%. That's, that right there is, is really important. In other words, only 3% of people that have at least 200,000 saved for retirement will actually end up needing any kind of help with Medicaid whatsoever or welfare. That's a fairly low number and it's a fairly low bar that they're having right there, a 200,000. You know, for a lot of people that, you know, they've got a lot more than that saved for retirement. You know, people that have actually done some prep for retirement and actually sat down and, and you know, went through, went, had, had gone through a planning process. They typically have well more than that. And if you, if you only have that amount, 200,000, it's only 3%. You know, so this is a real reason if we think about it, why do we build wealth? We build wealth, number one, not to end up in a long-term care facility. Uh, if you pay for it yourself, the quality of care is going to be likely much better than if the government is paying for it. And the other thing is that I hear, I hear from people all the time, I read, you can chime in, is that a lot of times what people do is they don't want to be a burden to the next generation. And that's why they prep. Okay, my mother is one who has said to us, you know, just put me in a home. Just put me in a home. She doesn't want us to take care of her. Uh, and thinking of the statistic where... But she has the assets to pay for. Uh, she's got two sons. Uh, okay, all right. No, she I does gotcha. not have the assets. She, she doesn't have the assets. Those, okay, that's why right. I didn't know. I knew no, nothing no, about she, your mom. She's, she would be one that, on the financial side of it, would be a recipient of the long-term care. Okay. From the, from the number sense. Um, but, but she has sons that are, you know... Right, right. My brother and I well. would see to it that yeah. she's not in a Medicaid facility. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's the part about the family in this research. Right. But thinking about, the you know, a higher percentage of women... Mm-hmm needing long-term care uh, uh, help. That, to me, does make sense because, like, I think about my aunt my uncle who are millionaires. Mm -hmm. They took out a policy on my aunt for mm -hmm. long-term care mm -hmm. with the thought being my aunt could take care of my uncle mm -hmm. in the event he gets sick and needs to be taken care right. of, but that he would not be able to take care of her. right. So, and they, I was thinking about that very thing as I was looking at this study as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so they got a policy on her, mm -hmm. 
and they're well for the policy. Uh, when clients ask me about, well, do I need long-term care insurance? I'm like, well, as a need, you have to realize one way or another, it's going to be paid for. You know, you're either self-insuring if you don't have a policy and you're paying for it out of your own assets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your family's taking care of you, your family's taking care of you, but there is a cost to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have to bring in nurses like throughout the day, that could actually be more expensive than actually going into a facility. Um, the wealthy people don't need it. And that's why facilities exist. Right. But I think it's interesting that maybe if somebody is a little bit more prepared, higher education, has assets, they don't typically even need it as much. And I think that's the point of this research. And, and why is that? It's because it goes back to what my client that runs the nursing home says, square the curve. You take right. better care of yourself. I think that's a big deal. But, you know, bottom line, we got to run to a break, is, you know, thinking about long-term care, I, I'm not against using it. I typically, if I recommend it, it's shorter benefit periods just mm-hmm. to make sure that you take care of that little thing. If you look at who typically buys long-term care, the study shows it tends to be wealthier people People egged on by their kids who want to make sure that they get a bigger inheritance, which I think is kind of funny. But I like Stan's idea. You know, just tell him I'm not going to buy long-term care and, you know, you're going to have to take care of me or you're going to end up losing, you know, there you go. <laughs> Hire your kids. <laughs> Thanks, Stan, for that question. PaulWinkler.com forward slash question if you got a question uh, that you want to run by us or go to the website. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning, tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area. But you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. This is the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler. What, uh, Ira, what do you got? Well... I uh, met with somebody yesterday Mm -hmm. and we were talking about their uh, future plan for retiring in two to three years from now. Mm -hmm. And it's a government worker, Mm -hmm. uh, money in the TSP. Okay. So we started talking about the TSP and she recently moved to a 2030 fund. She has some, she was trying to pick and choose her own funds and their, their life. Yeah. It's L2030 is what it is. If you're in the TSP. Right. Uh And, um, but she was you know, trying to juggle before that, before she went into this about two or three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, she was juggling between the different funds and moving around. So she was using some market timing mm-hmm. in order to try to get the best returns. And as she started getting closer and closer to retirement, mm-hmm. she says, you know what? Um, she's going to probably plan to retire probably at the end of 2025 or sometime in 2026. Mm-hmm. So the person that she spoke to that helps them with the TSP said, well, you should just go into the 2030 fund. Mm-hmm. 
So she went through my workshop that we do, you know, dismantling the myths, and we talked about different asset categories and so <laughs> forth. And we talked about the TSP, the only one real redeeming quality of it as I see it. This is Thrift Savings Plans for those you don't know what yeah. TSP stands for. And yeah. that is the very, very low expense ratio. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is, you know, more of the type of fund we would recommend because they're using index funds in that. We don't particularly care for index funds for a whole different reason. But the cost being very, you know, very, very low. And I try to explain that, well, part of the reason why it's very, very low is, you know, they're managing billions of dollars and Blackstone who manages that and fund. cap weighting it, which is really, really simple. There's nothing to it. There's no thought yeah. that has to go into that yeah. portfolio. Yeah. So... In looking more deeply at the funds, and I've had a lot of clients in this, but I've never looked to it to the degree to find out that when it hits that 2030 or 2025. How much in bonds that they have? Oh, my gosh. It's it it insane, it, it isn't it? It all yes. transfers into the L fund. It's, it's insane. Okay? And there's 74% yeah. of it. Yeah, it's is in fixed income. It is. It is unbelievable. Uh, it is, yeah, and I say poor, poorly managed in in more than just one way. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and then even when you're in the accumulation phase, is most of the money's in the C fund, which is the large company Correct. stock fund, and you know it's not really well diversified, even if you're younger. Well, yeah, right. And and the problem, and so the problem with the thrift savings is that it only has three, yeah. at, three true three asset, asset classes. classes for stock. Yeah, large international, large U.S. and small U.S. Right. That's it. And they have very, very little international, even in like the 20, 30, or 40, or 50, or 60 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just terrible of how they do it. And you can choose the outside funds. There's a way that you can choose outside funds other than their C fund, S fund, and, and the I fund. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing is, is that if you look at the expenses when it gets to those, looking at those, you can only put a, it's like, I think it's 25% of your portfolio in those outside funds, other than the regular, the regular target funds and, and the C, S, and I funds that they have in. Uh, but, you know, the thing that's really, it, it's the ongoing expenses. And every time you do a trade, if you're managing the portfolio and rebalancing, you, ha- you get hit with a fee every single time. So th- for those of you that know that there are other alternatives you can go with, it's just, they're just not great alternatives, but it doesn't mean we don't tell people, take advantage of it, do it. We're going to put money in while you're, while you're putting money away, but it's not where I'd want to be in retirement. Right. Well, again, and I do the same thing. I tell whether it's a 401k at work or a simple IRA at work, mm-hmm. it's like, it's the easiest way to, to start, you know, saving and, and planning for retirement. Right. Because if you don't see that money in your check. Built in discipline. you yeah. You, know, you don't feel it's my money. Right. So, and you right. learn to live without it. Where it's a lot harder, I have found in working with people, it's a lot harder when you're saying, well, I'll just get my money and I'll set up an automatic or I'll just send you money on a monthly basis. Right. And then the market drops, so you skip a month or. So there may be. An emergency comes up and you skip a month. Yeah. Um, so having the money come out of your check automatically to put into the retirement plan, plus the fact that with the thrift savings plan or the 401k or a simple IRA, mm-hmm. you could put a lot more money away, whether it be tax deferred or after tax in the Roth side of it, than you can if you're going to use an IRA. 
Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.